Okay, so you have a small business that you need to market, but you're not a marketer. So now what? Where do you start and what are you even supposed to do? Well, meet Engie. Engie is marketing software that simplifies marketing for small business owners. You can plan, organize, and get your marketing out the door and in front of your next customers fast. The best news? Engie is turning one on May 8th, so you can make marketing way more manageable for yourself for only $19 a month for your first year with the code BDAY. But don't wait. This offer ends on May 31st. the holidays and everything, but I'm excited to be back today uh, with my first podcast of 2020 and then also my first guest of 2020 with my friend Christina Furnival. Hi. Hello. Thank you for having me. No, I'm excited that you're here. We've talked about this a few times and, you know, life and children and all of that shit. I know. I'm excited to be be your first guest of the year. That's special. I know. Um, And I'm excited to have you on because we have a few different things that I kind of want to pick your brain on. Okay. Um, But, you know, before we we do that, let's just start with the basics. Mm -hmm. Um, Can you tell everybody a bit about who you are and what it is you do? Absolutely. I am a mom of two kids. I have a three-year-old daughter and a two-year-old son. I am a licensed mental health therapist, and I am the writer behind the blog Real Life Mama. I am a San Diegan, born and raised, but I spent seven years in the South in Nashville, Tennessee for college and graduate school, and it was out there that I met my British husband on a blind date weekend. Oh, I didn't know that, that it was a blind date. <laughs> we had a mutual friend, and she set us up, and that was She that. nailed it. I know, right? That's awesome. I have to say, I might have a calling as a matchmaker because the (laughs) one couple that I've ever set up got married and now has two kids. There you go. But I have no more single friends. So I'm like, guys, come on, let me help you. Right. (laughs) But that's awesome. I love that. I didn't know you met Tom on a a blind date. That's cool. It was wonderful. Yeah. So that's about it about me. Otherwise, if I ever find spare time, um, I like to cook. I like to sing and craft. I always have a ponytail holder on my wrist and bobby pins in my pocket. <laughs> You're prepared. Yeah. Always at the ready. <laughs> I didn't know that you sang either. I love to sing. Do you? I do. I'm decent. But okay. I love it more probably than my skill would show. <laughs> That's all right. Rocky's always telling me to stop singing. And I'm like, Aww. hey, man, better than most moms, okay? <laughs> we should We should go karaoke. Oh my god, karaoke's my nightmare. Oh, is it? It really is. I hate it. I'm no fun. I'm just like, because I have, okay, this is going to sound like a total asshole thing to say, but I have perfect pitch. Oh, wow. Um, because I've I played piano since I was five, and that was one of the things we figured out pretty early on. So like when I go to karaoke, it's like almost kind of painful It's like for torture me. for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. Oh, I love it. I love the people that embarrass themselves, and I love to get up and do yeah. it. It's great. So, I know. Steven Shoot. and I went to a, um, God, where were we? We were in Temecula or something, and we went to, like, a random bar, and there was a family there, and you could tell it was, like, their weekly thing, like, the That's dad adorable. and the kids, and they got up, and they're, like, singing, like, Phantom of the Opera songs. <laughs> How were like, they? 
You were embarrassed for them. You I, got it hurt me. It hurt me. But, you know, I was just like, you know, I guess this is your thing. This is how you guys bond as a family. But why subject everybody else in the bar to it? That's true. That's <laughs> like, true. Your kids singing Phantom of the Opera. That's intense, too. That is isn't Like, <laughs> you can tell they're, like, practicing because this is, like, their, their thing. Wow. Anyways. That's so funny. <laughs> so, before you launched the blog, uh, you were... You doing full time work as yeah. a licensed mental health therapist? Mm-hmm. It's like a mouthful, licensed mental health therapist. Right? Can I just call it a therapist? You can just call it a therapist. Okay. I started saying mental health therapist because when I would say, "Oh, I'm a therapist," then people would say, "Oh, occupational therapy or massage therapy." Oh. And so then I was like, "Okay, I guess I need to always put that in front." See, that's just never to... a question I would ask. I would just <laughs> be like, like I know oh, "Okay, yeah." <laughs> I mean, like I saw mine last night. So, <laughs> um, so. You said you went to school in Nashville. Where'd you go? Yeah, so I went to Vanderbilt for undergraduate, oh, nice. and I studied Spanish and child You're development. You're so smart. Um, I don't know about that. Well, I, and your brother is went I'm, to my, Harvard as well, right? Yeah, he's so my, my brothers are both really, really book smart. I'm more, I think, common sense smart, but I have the ability if I like pay a lot of attention and work yeah. really hard to be book smart. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I went to Vanderbilt for undergrad, and when I was there, I thought I wanted to be pre med, mm. so I did. 36 hours worth of pre-med courses and then changed my mind. 36 whole hours. Yeah, like, like, because it's almost a major to do the pre-med work. Yeah. And so I studied Spanish, I studied child development, and I studied pre-med and then changed my mind about pre-med and, um, figured out. Well, so my mom, my mom's a marriage and family therapist. Okay. And so I grew up with LMFT. Yes, exactly. Nailed it. Yeah, you did. (laughs) And so I grew up with her as a mom and it was really wonderful to have someone that was so empathic and understanding and just so aware. And I think for a long time I wanted to be, I knew I wanted to be in a helping profession, but Mm -hmm. I thought it was doctor. And I think I had put my mom's career like into its own box. That's what she does. And then I'll find what I do. And it wasn't until after college that I realized with some self-study, like, you know what? No, I, I want to do that too. We're very, my mom and I are very similar and we enjoy the same sorts of things. And I've always really loved talking to people and helping with problems. So I was like, you know what? Okay, I'm going to go back to graduate school. And I went to a small private school out there called David Lipscomb University. Okay. And I got my master's in professional counseling. So all in all, I've been in the field about a decade now. Wow. Which is kind of crazy. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so Tom went to Vanderbilt too? Is that- no. So no. the girlfriend that connected us went to my graduate program. Okay. And she had studied abroad during her undergraduate in Scotland. And Tom was at university, yeah, at Stirling University in Scotland. And so... She had known him from five years before. She had met me in grad school. And then at some point, she just decided to connect us. And Tom, at that point, was living in the U.S. So okay. it wasn't such a far, such like such a long shot. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah not doing like together. crazy long distance. Right. That's interesting about your mom because it's funny because like my, my mom does a really similar job to what I kind of started out doing. Like she's a controller for a big company. Okay. So she does finance and HR and stuff. And that's like kind of the field I ended up in unintentionally. Mm-hmm. So it's like, really, we all just want to be like our moms. I but think so. I'm very similar to my mom, too. So it makes sense. But Oh, that's I sweet. Like and your that. mom just had a birthday. She did. Birthday, she mom. did her pre-60 is what she calls it. <laughs> She's a 59. She won't mind me saying no, that. No, that's sweet. <laughs> yeah. Oh, very cool. So you were in the field for about a decade. And what did you kind of do when you were... Yeah, so I worked, uh, I've worked in a lot of different 
settings. I've worked in a hospital setting, outpatient clinics. I've worked at a domestic violence center. Ugh. And yeah, that, that was intense. I was, for them, I was an outreach coordinator. So I ran their support group and Gosh. also um, let the community know that we existed so that women could find us if they needed us, which um, was the very like positive side of yeah. things. And that's actually kind of how I find counseling in general is it can be really heavy to mm-hmm. hear the stuff that you hear, but I know that I'm always helping people to get better. Yeah. And so I think no, like kind of focusing on that upward swing and the positivity is how I'm able to do it. And I also am pretty good at compartmentalizing between work and home life. That's that, good. That you probably have helps. to in yeah. that profession. You can't do. bring that shit home with you. No. Well, especially because like, I work with – I used to work with youth and their families. And especially being in San Diego, we're so close to the border. And a lot yes. of the kids have had their families torn apart <laughs> or have mm-hmm. parents on both sides of the border. And so there's a lot of trauma that the families around here have gone through. And yeah. it, it is a lot to hear, but it's also great to know that I get to have gotten to help them. Yeah. Are you, so are you doing any work right now as a therapist or have you switched fully over to I, uh, I pretty much switched and... fully over after I had my daughter, decided to be a stay-at-home mom, mm-hmm. and then um, realized I'm not hugely great at that, even yeah. though I thought I would be a really <laughs> I, good stay-at-home mom. I thought I'd mom. do the same thing, too, and then, like, mm, nope, <laughs> nope, I need so something much. to uh, stimulate my brain. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I know being home with a three-year-old and two-year-old by myself all day is, <sighs> it, like, makes your brain... Just get worn down. It, it takes a special breed to be a stay-at-home mom fully and love and it. Love it. Like yeah. those, if you do that and you love it, like more power to absolutely. Because I could not hack it. No, I thought I thought especially with my training and background, I've always loved working with kids. I thought I would just be a natural shoe in for a stay-at-home mom, and it yeah. just turns out that I'm okay. <laughs> I'm a okay. Um, but yeah, so. After my daughter turned one, I started working some afternoons, so that way I could still be working a little bit, but um, then I got pregnant with my son and had him, so I came back to stay-at-home mom life, and then I started my blog just at the beginning of 2019, so yeah. about after three years of parenthood, um, to keep my foot in that in the door to the work world. Right. And to... Um, yeah, get a chance to utilize my brain, like you said, in a way that's not just caring for children. Always. Yes. Yeah. No. It takes that. Like you need that mental stimulation when you're, when you're a mom, but you're also like a creative or an intellectual. Like you got to do something, or you just go crazy. I yeah. I would have gone crazy if I was a stay at home mom, and I would have been a terrible mom. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I was actually thinking um, today when I was driving around that. I was singing along to music in the car, and that's actually been one of my self-care rules as a stay-at-home mom is I only play music I like in the car. Nice. We don't We don't do kitty songs because I'm like, like I said, I like to sing. It's part of my, like, it makes me feel good. Yeah. And then also then I feel like it taps into a side of my brain that's not just mom. Yeah. Is that a rule when the kids are in the car yeah, too? Yeah, all the okay. time. It's just put, I put on the radio, and often, yeah. because of living in Nashville, it's often the one San Diego country station. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I love, love to listen to that. So you could do what we do, and we just force Rocky to like our music. Yes. So like he got these red headphones for Christmas that was Cute. on his his Santa list. Aww. And my uh, my brother got him. Don't listen Rocky. Santa's real. But <laughs> shoot. <laughs> but he was in here playing in his room the other day cuz we're sitting on the floor of my son's room right now. You guys know that. <laughs> but and he goes can I listen to the uh, oh god, I remember what they're called Barstool Preachers, which is like some teeny tiny crust punk band in London that oh Stephen likes. And I'm like, you want to sit here and listen to that? Okay. I whatever. Love that. How cute. <laughs> it cracks me Our daughter up. is similar because I listen to 
kind of what's on the radio and what's popular, whereas my husband listens to what he used to like when he was living mm-hmm. in England and Scotland. Bagpipes? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> Although, yes, those do come out on occasion. Yeah. But I've not... <laughs> seen the pictures of him in a kilt, okay? I figured they were involved well, at yeah, some point. He actually wore his kilt on New Year's Eve. I we were, saw we that. very dressed up after our plan it. to be totally low-key. Um, but so Isla recently, our daughter has said... Um, she calls it Sally, mm. but it's uh, Don't Look Back in Anger by Oasis. Nice. And so that's like her most often requested song. I and Tom's love like, it. Oasis is one of his bands, you know? Aww. So it's, yeah, that's pretty special. That's great. I like that a lot. Okay, so you essentially, like with being a therapist, went from a non creative job, quote unquote, <laughs> to a creative one as working on your blog. Um, what has been like the hardest part about making that kind of shift? Yeah. So with therapy, it's interesting because I worked for an organization, but some people work for themselves and there's certainly structure and parameters that you have to stick to and adhere to with processes and procedures. But what I loved about therapy was actually that in your session, you can be creative Mm -hmm. and I guess like creativity is more, is less what you do and more how you do it. Totally. And so for me, since I am quite creative person, I like crafting, I like art and I like different things like that. For me, a session involved using therapy, therapeutic approaches, but also creative problem solving and art and play. Mm-hmm. And it's almost improv, right? Because I come totally. in with a flexible plan of what how we're going to work towards our treatment goals. But the client comes in as they are in that day with whatever is on their mind. Right. And so you kind of need to meet them where they're at and custom tailor creatively whatever is going on to what what their situation currently is. So yeah. even though therapy is not maybe thought of as too creative, I, I treated it as, yeah. as such. But with blogging, it's a different sort of creativity because I accidentally found myself as a business owner. I didn't realize that's what a blog was until totally. I No, it. I think a lot of people don't realize that. Yeah. So I thought, okay, I'll write articles and post them. And then I didn't realize how many more disciplines it spans because you have mm-hmm. to create the ideas, you have to write, you have to do social media marketing, mm-hmm. you have to do website design and graphic <laughs> design. And so I'm learning so much as I go because I didn't obviously study that. Yeah. Um, but it, so sometimes it feels like a creativity overload. But um, I'd say from switching from like an office sort of job to this sort of work, one of the hardest things has been, and I, I've heard you talk about it before on the podcast, is not having like true hours in Mm -hmm. which you're working. You're kind of working always. Yes. So the beauty is the flexibility that I can be with my kids and still get some work done. The hard part is I might want to try and get some work done while I'm with my kids and finding that balance without like, oh, mommy's on her phone, social media all day long. Because it's easy to do that. It is. Yes, it's very easy. So I think not having true office hours has been hard. And then um, I'm kind of an introverted extrovert. Okay. And so I can, I need social time, mm-hmm. but I also have my limits. But so when I worked in office, it was so nice to have coworkers and right. be able to pop in your head or ask a question, or if you're stuck on something, get ideas. And I'm by myself still, even so, even yeah. though I'm still working, I'm still at home by myself. And so I do miss kind of the camaraderie of like an office sort of job. Yeah. What is that called? An am- ambivert? Yes, an ambivert. Ambivert? Yeah, I think so. That's I think that's where I <laughs> ambivert. Fall. I think I was trying to mix like amphibian <laughs> and ambivert. I definitely so it's like not a that one. <laughs> introverted frog type thing. Oh Lord. It's been too long since I've recorded a I podcast. Think that, should, that should be like a little logo. <laughs> yeah, right? like a little shy looking frog. That's just gonna be the title of this podcast episode. <laughs> introverted frog. Introverted frog. <laughs> so what makes real life mama different from the other blogs out there 
With Real Life Mama, it is a motherhood and lifestyle blog with a therapist twist. So with my background, my professional and personal experience, I'm able to touch upon all sorts of topics like pregnancy, um, postpartum, miscarriage, marriage, relationships, friendships, all of that through the lens of a therapist. Mm -hmm. And in that way, I'm able to offer evidence-backed advice and information. So on the surface, it may look like another mom blog, but my tone is different and my intent is different. So... With Real Life Mama, no topic is off limits, nothing is taboo. I aim to be as real as possible and exploring the ups and downs that we all go through yeah. while throwing in therapeutic guidance. So, I mean, you know, I know motherhood is wonderful and it's challenging and amazing and it's bizarre. And there can be so much support received in feeling feeling a connection by reading an article that you can relate to. Totally. So that's my hope with Real Life Mama is to reach moms far and wide in that sort of way and equip the every mom with the skills and knowledge to feel good about herself and feel good about her marriage and her role as a mom. I love that. And because I know that there's there's this big complex that people get with social media because of people putting out this perfection front. Right. You know? Um I was actually just talking to my friend about this yesterday about how I've unfollowed like pretty much every mommy influencer, quote unquote, <laughs> because it's just bullshit. Like, <laughs> absolutely. There's, they, I feel like they make other people feel bad, you know, because their house isn't 100% perfect and beautiful right. all the time, or, you know, they aren't having these perfect children who are well behaved 24 7 and mm-hmm. like, I don't know. I think that people are starting to kind of back away from that social media um, front. I'm trying to think of the right word for it. Kind of the... Like a facade? Yeah, like the curation of your life. Right. Especially as a mother. um, And are appreciating people who are more real and honest about what it looks like. So I think that that's really great. And I love that you. you give like tangible takeaway from it too instead of just like... Here's a problem. Let's talk about right. it. Right. Or, hey, this happened today. Isn't that so cute? My kid's just so cute. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Look at this beautiful all-white couch I have and my children never stain it. I am Fuck blown away. Off, <laughs> yes. Like, okay. I don't even know how they're able to stage those pictures because nothing in my house looked like that all the time. No. In order to get a photo for no. something like it's, that. It's but I, I'm glad. I'm hoping it is going that way because that definitely, that's a challenge that I face is how to so my goal is to have obviously people read the posts but how are people going to read the posts unless they know that I've posted them which is from my social media accounts but how are they going to know that I've posted it from there if they're not following me and they're not going to want to follow me unless my feed's pretty you know so it's it's such (laughs) this catch-22 because Mm -hmm. it's like you have to be authentic in order to really build a loyal following for your brand right but you also need to get the eyeballs mm-hmm. which and people just instinctively are drawn to the pretty absolutely things more than they are to like the messy real life and it's right. hard it is hard and i also am trying to respect that my children have an internet profile that will follow them sure. so i'm trying to not say or list their names too often or like give personal details i'm trying to not tell any like real big embarrassing stories yeah um i don't intend to show their faces head on Mm -hmm. um, just because I know obviously computers can now like figure out their facial structure and then know it's them. Yeah. Um, But so with all of that, I'm not showing the big doe-eyed cute toddler photos that I have on my phone, but that I think would attract people to 
follow my account maybe more, but that's not what I'm trying to do. So it's yeah. that weird, like you said, catch 22. Yeah. And I've always honestly felt kind of weird about that, about people making their children like the number one thing on their feed mm-hmm. as a marketing type thing, you know, like I've seen people do sponsored posts written from the voice of their child. Oh, wow. Who's like three or four. Yeah. And it's like, but they don't really have a say in this. Or I think I love that you're conscious of that, that like with children, this is going to follow them. This Mm -hmm. is a new world, you know, like you and I did not grow up with a social media profile following no. us along the whole time. We we got to build our own. Right. Yeah. So someday when they go to college or when they're looking for jobs, you know, yeah. this stuff is potentially searchable even yeah. if you delete it. So yeah. yeah. So it is. It's been it's been really interesting about trying to figure out how to use social media in that way without losing my authenticity, but still trying to do best practices so that way I can achieve my goal, which is having readers and right. helping people. A very delicate balance. Yeah. Um so I'm curious because So with Glitter Guide and, you know, a lot of the people that I work with, Glitter Guide has been, well, Glitter Guide's been around for eight years, but Taylor, the founder, has been blogging for 10. Okay. And so a lot of people in that circle um, that I work with are the OGs, I guess you would call it. (laughs) They've been around since the beginning of Instagram, since the beginning of when blogging became a big thing. Um, So I'm curious about your perspective as a relatively new blogger. What has been kind of your experience with getting your foot in the door? You mentioned it a little bit with social media, but what has been the biggest challenge? Yeah, so my experience has been good overall. I jumped into it, like I said, without realizing what all it entailed. Sure. But I followed a course by this couple um, that was really, really helpful. And it was a free five-day email crash course, but it helped me entirely get set up. And so I feel like it got me off on the right foot and helped me to avoid some maybe common pitfalls for the average beginning blogger. Mm -hmm. So that was helpful. What uh, has been hardest for me is kind of like I mentioned, the whole behind the scenes business of running a blog. I don't know anything about business or marketing (laughs) or social media marketing or anything. You know, I kind of, I imagined I would write a post. It would go to the top of Google. People (laughs) would read it. Like I didn't know so much was involved. Yeah. SEO and all those sorts of stuff. So the biggest challenge for me has been really learning as I go and trying to not make mistakes along the way, but also recognizing that mistakes are part of it. And like, totally, that's how you learn and grow. But, um, I think that, and then the social media and that balance of authenticity have been the hardest parts for me. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's funny that you say that about posting something and it going to the top of Google because it did used to be that way. Is that you how know? it used to work? Oh, yeah. Before okay. Google figured out they could make money based off of like rankings uh, and SEO and keywords and all that stuff, it used to be time-based. Okay. So um, it's it's a whole new kind of field now. It's like there's data and there's there's actual like science behind it right. and you have to learn how to do it because it's not natural. No, it's not intuitive at all. And yeah, there are so many components to it. And even like, you know, Pinterest or different mm-hmm. different social media outlets, like they each have their own game. Yep. They have to figure out how to play. Yep. Yeah, I know. It's, it's true. We actually have been talking about this a lot with Glitter Guide because now Pinterest has changed their algorithm. Oh, has it? Yeah. Oh, okay. And it's annoying as hell. <laughs> Because Pinterest has always been, like, our main source of traffic. Okay. And now we're seeing kind of, like, dips. And we're like, what is happening? And realizing the algorithm is fucking it up just like it fucked up Instagram. But 
it's so it's like you're also constantly you're learning new things, but you're also constantly having to evolve and adapt to right. these platforms that are constantly changing. It's like being a parent, but with your job. Yeah, right. <laughs> you're like, oh, I know it works now. Yeah, I'm gonna do this, and, and then, then it doesn't work at all. And then it goes, nope. <laughs> actually, I'm gonna change my mind completely. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about social media a little bit more for a okay. minute. So, with social media, you've probably had to do a lot of like throwing shit to the wall and seeing what sticks. Yes. So what kind of techniques have you found so far that have been helpful in getting the blog off the ground? The couple of things that I have done are connecting with other moms or mom bloggers that are further along than I am and Mm -hmm. figuring out what they're doing. Um, They've been super helpful to be like, oh, I do this when I use my hashtags or I make sure to tag these sorts of brands or companies to get attention or to maybe have things reshared or reposted. Mm -hmm. Um, I also have learned that by engaging is that's been a really big key to getting engagement back. It's kind of like a, I'll scratch your back if you scratch mine. So reposting, resharing, what have you. And then people have been really good to do that back to me. Um, other than that, I've joined a couple different groups where, people are sharing tips or mm-hmm. like posting this is how this algorithm changed with Pinterest and this is what we recommend you do and so that way I'm not just kind of by myself having to figure it all out so yeah. with the networking online and in person with friends and mom bloggers and then with the different groups I belong to where they're giving tips and tricks those things have been helpful to me in growing my following or at least not becoming entirely stagnant because there yeah. definitely are times where I'm like oh I gained 10 followers and then it's like down seven I'm like oh man <laughs> okay wait I'm back where I was but yeah, so those those things have been helpful. But I know obviously you know a lot more than I do, and I'm sure you listeners know a lot more than I do. So shoot me a message. Let me know. What what do you think, Samantha? Well, what what I, is helpful? Yeah, I mean, that's why I was curious what the kind of newer people are, are, are talking about and what they're doing. Where are these groups? They, are they Facebook groups? Yeah, Facebook groups. So okay. it's interesting. There's some Facebook groups now where you can share some of your Instagram posts and the loyal members of the group then go and support one another. Yeah. yeah. So it's, yeah. So kind of like pods, mm-hmm. but they're with mompreneurs or specific mom bloggers. So mm-hmm. that way everyone can kind of just help each other out. Yeah. I'm not a huge fan of pods only because I, I know that Instagram has said before that, and this is what makes it so hard is because like, it's almost like Instagram doesn't want you to succeed unless right. you're paying money for ads. <laughs> right. So it's like you're constantly trying to beat the game. But, like, I've heard Instagram say that they don't like pods because the algorithm will recognize if you have the exact same people commenting on your posts over and over again and think that it's, like, paid for or spam. Or, like, you're a bot or something. Yes. Hi, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I it's, know. You're it's, just trying to do your best. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it really is insane. And it's, like... Well, and what, what does Instagram think? It, let's say, like, I only have 700-something followers, and let's say only, I don't know, 100 to 200 are, like, my regular people that get to see it, and mm-hmm. then from that, a certain percentage are going to be the people that comment. I probably would only have the same sort of people commenting anyways, unless I got new people that were interested to engage. Yeah. Well, and I think it has a lot to do with the timing, they said, too. So, like, I, I know with some pods that are, like, really regimented, like... You'll go share your post in the group, and then, like, everyone has X amount of time to go comment on it. Okay. So it has to be done with, like, a, in a certain amount of time. And I think so that that's looks what really kind false. of pings. Yeah. Because, mm-hmm. like, if you're paying for comments or likes or whatever, they all kind of come in in this steady flow, like this all at once. Mm-hmm. So they look at that. I don't Negatively. Know, I yeah. It's weird. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's all yeah. just so complicated. But, yeah, so, I mean... 
I haven't done the like loops. There are different uh-huh. loops you can join, and I that to me has felt more fake in the way of you get a load of followers and you follow them, but you don't actually care. Right. And they don't actually care. Um, with the comment groups, at least it seems like we are getting to know the different people in totally. the group. And then, you know, you actually root for them. Yes. You know, so in that way, I don't feel like that's as bad. But I still, I don't fully like that either. And it's yeah. just like there's almost no way to win. Yeah. Well, my biggest thing that I always tell people is I really think people need to utilize stories as much as they can. Because Instagram, the feed is where you can put the pretty stuff, where Mm -hmm. you can get the people to like it. But stories is where it doesn't have to be as pretty. Right. It can be the real life talking, you know, kind of face-to-face, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. Um, And building that authentic side of your brand, you know, whereas, you know, we were talking about how you don't want to post the stuff that's not pretty on your feed, but you also don't want to be fake. Mm -hmm. I think stories gives you that opportunity to kind of, Balance it out a bit. That's so true. That's a really good point. Yeah, because you can, and I think actually people do prefer in stories if you're not fully made up and if you're like just lounging on your couch talking about something that was really shitty during the day. (laughs) I think so too. And I think a lot of brands avoid doing it because they're like, eh, well, they're following me for for this, like for my flowers or for my, you know, business. They don't want to see me. Mm -hmm. But in this day and age, they do. Absolutely. Like now... everything has shifted, everything has changed, and you have to have that personal, authentic side of your brand if you want to grow and build a loyal brand following. Right. Like, people aren't interested in following big, faceless businesses anymore. It's just not fun. Mm -hmm. And you're way more likely to convert, and if you're selling a product, you know, have sales with someone that you feel a connection to. Absolutely. Rather than just a faceless big box yeah because then they feel like they know you they they know your voice they've heard you go through some highs some lows and yeah they feel like they can relate yeah but then there's that weird thing of have you ever been recording yourself and your husband catch you recording yourself for your stories no I always do it when he's not here but (laughs) the other day I did have the male lady catch me oh no because I was standing by my front door because that's where I get my good light and she walked right up and so I pretended I was FaceTiming. That's a good way to do it. I don't think I would have been that fast on my feet. I was just like, oh, wait, hang on. Let me call you back. Oh, that's so funny. That's hilarious. Tom's caught me a couple times and I'm like, stop looking at me. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I can't do it in front of Steven. I feel embarrassed when I have to have him like take pictures of me because you know, you've got your, like, you gotta do whatever you gotta you do. You don't have to know what you do. Yeah. yeah. And he's just like, he's like, what are you doing? Why is your face like that? Like, this is my photo face. This is my angle, Steven. (laughs) Shut up and take the picture. (laughs) That's so funny. Um, Yeah, but I mean, in terms of social media, it's, it is almost a full-time job in itself. It really is. Managing social media for your brand, especially bloggers, because you, you need to get traffic from obviously as many sources as you can. And I've done a lot of testing for Glitter Guide on what kind of content each different platform relates to the most, and it's different. Mm-hmm. Our Instagram audience likes posts that are completely different from our Pinterest audience. So, in a sense, you're almost marketing to like five like different audiences, several audiences, different businesses, almost. From yeah, what you do. that's wild. Yeah, so it's and you know Pinterest now too has all of its SEO. Does stuff. Pinterest as well? Oh yes. Oh no. Yes. <laughs> 
Pinterest is like my current obsession with trying to figure out how it's all working. But yes, oh. SEO is a big thing. People are using Pinterest as a search engine. Right. But so how does SEO work with Pinterest then? In your captions and your titles. Oh. So if you like go on there and you're searching for, you know, winter hairstyles 2020, people who have that in their caption or in um, when you save the file name, that also helps for your SEO on oh. Pinterest. So like whatever you want people to search for. Name your photo that before you wow. upload it. Okay, these are good tips. I'll put these to... in the, uh, the show notes. <laughs> I'll put a little Pinterest crash course in there. Yeah, that would be amazing. I'll just um, have to pick your brain more. Yeah, Pinterest is a, it's huge, you know. It's a big platform and it's, I think, a little less convoluted than Instagram mm-hmm. um, because people are there looking for content as opposed to a quick kind right. of Oh, pretty picture. Mm-hmm. You know, they're there looking for something. Definitely. So I think for bloggers, Pinterest is incredibly helpful. And What's useful. your take on TikTok? I have zero clue what TikTok is. <laughs> I asked my younger siblings the other day. I was like, hey, um, so what is this? Can you explain it to me? And they explained it to me and I still don't get it. Yeah. But I kind of view it like Snapchat and Vine and all those things where it was so big for a minute. You think everybody got on it and then it went away. Right. I'm so my husband listens a lot to Gary Vaynerchuk. Do you Mm -hmm. listen to any of his stuff? Mm -hmm. And Gary speaks a lot about how TikTok is kind of like the next, he thinks it'll be around a while and he thinks Mm -hmm. it's a great way to get free marketing without all the algorithm stuff that now Facebook and then social, um, Instagram and then now Pinterest have. Yeah. Is that this hasn't been tainted yet by Mm -hmm. that. Um, so I have it. I don't know what to do with it. Yeah. (laughs) It's it's something that, and you know, for us, what we're focused on is our audience. Where is our audience? And our audience tends to be, you know, late 20s to early 40s. And so far, the majority of them are not on TikTok. Right. So his spin on that um, discussion or that discussion point is that their kids are, and that mm-hmm. by, like, kids determine what parents purchase, or kids determine what parents do a lot of the time, because mm-hmm. they're the ones leading, oh, we want to do this, or oh, I would like this mom or dad. Mm-hmm. Um, but, so his take is that they're kind of guiding families' purchasing and behavior, and mm-hmm. so in that way, being part of TikTok gets you in through that door. Sure. But I don't, I, there's a couple moms I've started to follow on there just to see what they do, but I'm just not that funny and I don't think I'm that good at like making a, a kitschy video. So yeah, I, I just don't, don't that need one thing. more platform that I need to create content for. <laughs> yeah. I have a hard enough time managing the ones that we do have. Uh, yeah. I and feel yeah. I think I could see where it could be valuable for businesses who, mm-hmm. like you said, the kids are kind of driving what's getting purchased and whatnot, like for mom brands um, or other brands for that matter, but... I don't know if for blogging, if they're going to be like, hey, I followed this blogger on TikTok, mom, you should look at them. Right. And now, and yeah, now mom, I want you to read about her article about depression. Right. Because exactly. she's really funny on TikTok. Yeah. <laughs> no. So, I mean, I, I'll wait and see before I make like a final judgment call on it. But, you know, we, things come and go so quickly, it feels like. And yeah. I'll believe it when I see it. 
I guess is kind of no. I, I'm right with you there. My husband's all he's like keeps trying to talk me into doing it because Gary V talks all about it. I'm like, oh, okay, I get it. Is he on TikTok though? No. Tom? No. Yeah. Well, no, of course not. Tom to shut up and put his money where his mouth is. <laughs> and he doesn't like the idea of me videoing our family. He does, like <laughs> all these reasons. I'm like, do you really want me to do this? And I was actually talking to him yesterday about photos and social mm-hmm. media, and he's like, well, you could really plan out like next time we travel, and then you could be like, Tom, hold up. Hold our daughter's hand right here and do this. And I'm like, do you really want me doing that? Mm-hmm. And he's like, no. And I'm like, no, I can't. Like, I, I try and capture photos in the moment. Yeah. But I'm not going to, like, plan it out because that just isn't Well, that goes against me. your brand. Yeah. It's literally called real life yeah. mama. <laughs> and, oh, I know. I have, I know moms, mom bloggers, or it's not even bloggers anymore. It's really mom influencers mm-hmm. who just utilize social media. And... They will have a family trip and they'll call and pitch brands to give them stuff for this trip and then like stage photos and take it Ah. on the trip and stuff. And I'm just like, that sounds exhausting. It sounds really tiring. Like, just go on your trip and enjoy your trip. Like, don't worry about if it's pretty enough for a picture or not. Like, Mm -hmm. who gives a shit? And realistically, traveling with your children is not pretty enough for a picture. No. (laughs) You get sweaty. You're carrying stuff. They're probably tantruming. Uh, Do you remember that picture I posted on my my secret Rocky account (laughs) when we went to Idlewild? And he... What was he doing? Hated it so much. Like, nature. Yes, yes. And he's just sitting there with the (laughs) biggest, like, like, frown on his face. (laughs) Like, why the hell did you bring me here? Like, that's real life. Yes. I would never post that for a mom blog. Right. (laughs) Like... My my picture perfect child and enjoying our beautiful nature vacation. Right. Like, oh, I just love it. No. No, he definitely did not have any temper tantrums that day either. Yeah, our hikes involve picking up the kids about twenty times because their legs are tired mm-hmm. and <laughs> holding them while they pee, <laughs> while they cop a squat. <laughs> so I feel like there is a lot of chatter about mental health and social media, and we kind of touched on that a little bit. Um, but you know, from a therapist perspective. What kind of advice do you have for people that are feeling stuck playing the comparison game? Absolutely. So one thing is just that we're all there. I'm right there with you. Mm-hmm. I'm right there with everyone listening to that. We're all human. We all want to be liked. We want our posts to be liked and to do well and to, you know, it makes us feel really good. But what is important to look at or to focus on if you're finding yourself getting caught up in that is what's your purpose? Mm-hmm. Why are you doing your account or your blog or your business? And kind of keep that as the the low hum beneath everything you do. And if a post that you did stays in touch with your purpose, but maybe doesn't get a million likes, but you're proud of it. And it, it, it said what you wanted it to say. Well, great. Mm-hmm. Good. So for me, you know, I'm still starting out. I, I'm, my accounts are small, but my goal is to help people. And so if that means one mom liked my post and went to the website and read the article and felt helped, then I did my job. Yeah. If it can be lots more than that, then awesome. But so, it doesn't mean I don't want my accounts to grow, but it does mean that I'm focused on what I'm trying to do. And actually, mm-hmm. this morning it came across across a quote that said, well, uh, we won't be distracted by comparison if we're captivated with purpose. And I thought that I exactly that. is yeah. this, um, because that's so true. If you're, if you're looking back to your purpose, then that's what you're able to focus on and then the, the likes or the comments or the follows shouldn't matter as much. And it doesn't right. mean they won't. And it doesn't mean you won't maybe get a little butt hurt that yeah. you like didn't right. get something. Of course, because you're human. Yeah. Yeah. But that way, at least you can 
focus on what you're trying to achieve and let that be the journey of it instead of the instant gratification of the likes and the high of individual posts. Totally. Yes. And that's what it is. Mm -hmm. It's like a dopamine thing. Um, There's a whole new trend coming out about dopamine fasting for wellness. It started like in Silicon Valley, but basically it's, you know, not letting yourself have that instant gratification from social media, from foods that you like, things like that, because then when you do have it later, it feels that much better. Okay. You know, and they were talking about social media's role in that because it, you're constantly attached to it. You're constantly scrolling. Ooh, someone liked it. Ooh, someone followed me. Mm-hmm. And it's a little burst, little burst of dopamine. But then it, you aren't able to connect to that high as naturally. Mm-hmm. It almost desensitizes you yes. to your real life highs instead of letting you focus on them. Totally. I try and make an effort, even though I want to do my work at certain spots when I have opportunities during the day, I try and keep my phone actually plugged in and tucked out of sight mm-hmm. because it is so easy. You're like, oh, I'll check this email. Oh, wait, yeah. I've been on Facebook for 10 minutes. Right. <laughs> I do that too. I put my phone on like do not disturb after like 6 p.m. and then I don't look at it again until I go to bed. Um And then I also, I think I talked about this on the last episode before I went on break, but I moved my apps from the front page Mm. to like the fourth page. So now it's not like I open my phone and they're they're right right there. there. And I found that helps a lot. That's awesome. Because I would not even realize I'm clicking on Instagram. Yeah. I just all of a sudden I'm like knees deep. And then you finish and you put your phone down and you're like, wait, I was was checking the time. What was I going to look at the calendar? I've done that so many times. Yeah. I actually had done that as well. And I have a new phone now where I don't have any apps on the front screen at all. And then I just have to scroll into that menu to be able to do that. And that definitely helps too. Yeah. And um, I like what you said about, you know, the comparison and the purpose. And that's something that I... I'm always talking about is your core values mm-hmm. and making those just the foundation of everything you do. And we're doing a lot of changes right now with Glitter Guide with the content. You know, we launched our new website in August, but yeah. it's still relatively new. It's great. Thank you. But it's it's a big shift from what people were used to for the past eight years, but it feels better to us. Good. And so we, yes, might be losing people who are there for target roundups and stuff that doesn't necessarily resonate with our core values. Right. But it's all about that quality over quantity, Mm -hmm. in my opinion. And I know that's hard for people when they're seeing somebody post something and it gets thousands of likes and you're like, why? I could post that same picture (laughs) and it wouldn't get that type of engagement, you know? But you never know what people are doing. You never know if people are buying likes if they're in like some massive pod, which Mm -hmm. there are huge pods out there. That people That's are wild. In. And I saw, I forget what it was. I saw like a, I don't want to call it a meme, but like a quote that was like, nobody's posting their failures. Mm-hmm. Everybody's just posting the highlights. They're posting the pretty stuff that they want you to see. Mm-hmm. So that's something important for people to keep in mind when they're like, God, her business seems to be doing so much better than mine. Right. It's like, well, she's not posting the shitty stuff behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Like, she's not posting how much debt she has. Absolutely. Um, so even with my mom blogger friend's that I have in person, you know, when I see their feeds and their posts, I might even get a bit envious or jealous or think, my gosh, they're doing so great. And obviously I want that for them and I want the best for them. Yeah. But then sometimes the reality is then you meet for coffee and you hear the backstory and it's not as positive as everything looks. Yes. But I mean, going back to what we said earlier, 
you don't want to show necessarily the negatives because you want that pretty feed, but mm-hmm. this is, it's that fine balance. And even with other friends and mom bloggers, they're going through the same thing of trying to post what's readable, what people will care about, and it's not always the negative stuff. Like you said, the debt or the right. struggles or their marriage problems because they're so focused on their job or whatever yes. it might be. I I will not name names, but I had a friend tell me about this girl who's a big blogger and she has a huge Instagram following and she's very popular and does really well with engagement and her feed is beautiful. It's perfectly curated, right? It's all it's right. like a bullshit feed. It's like perfect. Yeah. Um and then I found out that like her husband had been in rehab. Oh my god. But like you didn't know that. He'd spent all their money and like oh they were goodness. going through all the stuff, but she still just posted the pretty things. So mm-hmm. it's like you literally have no idea what's going on in people's lives. They're just choosing what they sh- want to share with mm-hmm. you, and you have to take that with a grain of salt, especially when you're feeling like it's making you feel less than. Yeah. Oh, definitely. And in the, if that's the case, then you unfollow them, yeah. right? If there are people that you see their things and it makes you feel bad, yep. stop looking at their stuff. Or you mute them if it would make it a problem to unfollow them, like if they're oh. in real life. Can you, you can mute? You can mute But still people. be following? I yeah. have no idea. Yeah. I'll, like, mute my friends. Um are like in Hawaii and posting Hawaii pictures every day because I feel jealous. <laughs> and then when they get back, Hawaii. I'll unmute them. <laughs> there you go. Whatever you got to do that, that keeps you feeling good and keeps your head yeah. on straight. Absolutely. The more you can beef up your own self-care and your own mm-hmm. self-love, then the more resilient you'll be to those sorts of things. Yeah. And like that's something with our kiddos that I'm really trying. I'm actually looking into getting more books on that right now because mm. we've got a kiddo at school that Isla for some reason really likes and she's on and off nice to my daughter mm. um and it she talks about her a lot like her opinion mm. really matters to my daughter but so in that same way I want to instill the resilience in her yeah and for ourselves on our social media fronts we need to to figure out how we can beef up our own thick skin right to not be so affected by that yeah and it's if you have kids please start doing that right now because yes please please it's just gonna be so I, I almost feel bad for our generation of parents because, like... It's a whole new world. Yeah, we, <laughs> we have to figure it out as we go. Like, are we doing the right things with social media and our kids? Like, what are they encountering on social media that we didn't experience right. ourselves, you know? I watch too much Law & Order SVU, but... Oh, no. no. <laughs> I just... Oh. I can't watch my stuff like that. never leaving my house. I get too scared. <laughs> my anxiety just skyrockets. I'm like, nope, uh, none of that. Yeah, I can't. I love it. I can't turn it off. <laughs> so, okay. What advice do you have for new bloggers, you know, people who are out there looking to launch their passion project? Like, because if there's one thing there is in the blogging world and the social media world, it's a lot of noise. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of fucking blogs. <laughs> A lot of quote-unquote influencers. Right. Your favorite word. Yes. my t- <laughs> Oh, I love it so much. Um, but I mean, so what advice do you have for those people who are kind of looking to break through all that noise? Absolutely. Well, I feel like if it's your passion project, then you have a very strong purpose, right? Mm-hmm. And so going back to what we said, if you can focus on your purpose, then that can help protect you and shield you from some of the, the noise out there. I also think... No one has to say what you're going to say the way you're going to say it. Yeah. So even in a saturated industry, so like mom blogging, there's a gazillion mom blogs. Mm -hmm. There aren't a whole lot where the mom is a mental health therapist. Right. And then still where, where the focus or kind of the commentary of each post has the tone of therapy. Mm -hmm. And that's my goal for 2020 is to include more of that because since I started in 2019, I've kind of been 
figuring out my way a little bit. How much do I want it to be therapy? How much do I want it to be more relatable anecdotes? Mm -hmm. And so my goal for 2020 is to include more therapy. Okay. To include more psychoeducation and tips and tools to really differentiate differentiate myself in that way. And so that I'd say the same thing for anyone who has a passion project looking to start out is to recognize what your value or uniqueness is and yeah. bring it strong. Yeah, I love that. Finding out what makes you unique and makes you different and just coming out the gate, you know, having that in your values and in your voice and mm-hmm. in your content. Absolutely. I think that, that is so crucial for people. Um, and I know a lot of people have a tendency to kind of be like, okay, well, what's so-and-so doing? I'm going to do that too. Mm-hmm. Which that might work a little bit, but it's not going to get you very far. It works for them. You right. have to kind of go through the trial and error and figure out what's going to work for you as a brand and the audience that you're cultivating. Okay. So, Christina. <laughs> <laughs> Christina Furnival. Where can my audience connect with you? Yes. So the biggest and best way that they can find me is to go to my website, which is thisisreallifemama.com, where you can just see the blogs. They pop up in reverse chronological order. Nice. So the noose is on top. Um, And while you're there, please subscribe to the newsletter. I only send out once a month, but the reality is actually once every two months because I can't get my shit together. (laughs) And (laughs) it's not spammy. It basically keeps you updated on the posts that you might have missed. I'm going to include, like I said, more psychological tidbits in the emails and um, any exclusive information for you guys that I can put in there. I also am an affiliate to a couple brands, and so I include discount codes there. But so this is reallifemama.com is the website. That's where you can find me. As far as social media, on Instagram, my handle is the same. It's this is real life mama. On Facebook, my URL is facebook.com slash real life mama podcast. I, in fact, do not have a podcast. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> no. But when I full, like I told you, I jumped in not knowing what I was doing. That's how I labeled that page, and I haven't figured out how to change it. Oh, so. okay. <laughs> so that's what that one is. I was like, whoa, newsflash. No. <laughs> when I do, you'll be on it. Yay. Um, and then my Pinterest is pinterest.com slash mama. And so please, please find me there. Um, if you're a mom, there's an article on my blog for you. If you're not a mom, but you friends who are. And they would appreciate a real look at motherhood with some psychological background and information, then please send them to me. Um, also, I, like I said, I'm trying to change up a little bit my approach in 2020 with Real Life Mama. So message me. Let me know what you're struggling with. Let me know what challenges you're having or what's a topic of interest for you. And I will either just chat with you back and forth or I might write an article about it. So I that would be that. really helpful. Yeah. That's so, I think that's great of you to offer that. Thank you. Um, Okay, well, thank you for coming and sitting on the floor in my kids' bedroom. (laughs) It's You know what? It's a really happy room. It's a nice spot to be. Thank you. I enjoy hanging out in it. I spend way more time in here than I'd like to, usually at night, but you know. Yeah. Oh, gosh. I know all about that. Damn children to sleep. (laughs) That book? (laughs) Go the fuck to sleep. (laughs) Yeah, we had to hide it because now Rocky repeats those words. Oh, no. Oh, we were talking about that. Yeah. Yes. He actually, the little dogs next door... He, whenever they bark, he goes, Mama, the little shits are barking. <laughs> and I'm just oh, like, oh, no. boy. And it begins. And you have to try so hard not to laugh oh, because then they keep doing it because they think that they They'll get a rise out of you, yeah, right? Yeah. I know. And I'm like, oh, Stephen said to me the other day, he's like, maybe it's time for you to start cleaning up your, your, your language. language. No, no. And I was like... I don't think it's going to happen. like, Stephen, that would be inauthentic to yeah. who I am. Hello. <laughs> I don't know how to fucking clean up my language. <laughs> 
All right. Well, thank you again. I'm excited to share this episode with everybody and everybody go connect with the handles and the URLs that Christina shared. Um, I'll be back next week. And then of course there will be episode show notes up on prettyokpodcast.com. I am still planning on doing that mailbag episode. So go to the link in my bio on Instagram. If you still have a question about business or social media, marketing, you know, whatever that you want answered in that episode. And that'll be either next week or the following week once I get my shit back together after this (laughs) holiday break. (laughs) But all right. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.